Well, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the City Rev Life podcast. Uh, I'm Pastor Craig. I'm here with Pastor Justin. Hey, Craig. How's it going? Doing great. Oh, good. Uh, well, we are continuing our series here of verses that aren't verses. Yes. Looking at those sayings and phrases that we hear all the time that sound like they could be from God, sound like they could be somewhere in the Bible, but maybe they're they're not. Yeah. Maybe someone said this to you sometime, you know, you were feeling down. But uh, yeah, so today we're going to, um, you know, so if you have actually a Bible handy, go ahead and open up to Hesitations chapter four. Hmm. Hesitations chapter, it's not, it's not a book. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was looking. I knew I was, are, were you waiting for the mm, joke? I was waiting for it. Well, yeah, we had Second Opinions in a previous episode and then my other favorite book, Hesitations. Hesitations. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the lie or the, I guess the, the First, that's not a verse that yes. we're talking about today. today is that God never gives you more than you can handle. Mm. Have you ever heard this one? I hear this one a lot. God never gives you more than you can handle. Um, it's normally when I feel like I've got more than I can handle. <laughs> and people tell that to me. So where, where does it come from? What's the background here? What's going on? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and again, this is not to like beat up on someone. If someone's shared this with you or even if you, you're like, oh, wait, I... I'm pretty sure I thought this was in there. <laughs> I've said that before. Um, you know, the purpose of this is we want to we want to accurately reflect. What does the Bible actually teach? We take that very seriously. Um, but this phrase might come up in a situation where someone's down and they're going through something very difficult. And a well-meaning person might say, hey, listen, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Yeah. You know, and it's this idea that, you know, you're strong enough, you know, God wouldn't give this to you if he didn't know that you were strong enough to be able to take care of this. And what I would say, just the origin of this is more than likely, it's just a, a poor paraphrase of first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And so, uh, we're going to look at that verse here in a second and Craig, you can, you can read it. Yeah. First um, Corinthians ten thirteen says no temptation or some translations say no test has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So this tells me I won't be tempted beyond my ability. So God won't give me more than I can handle, right? There you go. There you go. That's that's the move that I think people make to come to that conclusion. Now, let me back up. Here's the context, 1 Corinthians 10. Paul, in this chapter, he is recounting the story of Israel and the wilderness generation, and he's using their example of experiencing tests in the wilderness. So um, if you read through Exodus, Numbers, you'll come across these moments where the people don't have food or they don't have water. And God describes those moments as tests that the people are walking uh, through. And passing the test looks like crying out to the Lord, asking him to provide, saying, God, we we have nowhere else to turn. We need you to come through. So I would be passing the test. Failing the test is what they most often did, which was grumble, complain, get angry at Moses and wish they were slaves again in Egypt. Yeah, take us back to Egypt so we don't die out here in the wilderness. It was better, you know, was it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt that were being brought out here into the wilderness, you know, as a irony, as Egypt is famous for its graves. Mm. So here, Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 is setting up this verse in verse 13. He's describing all of these tests and using them as examples to warn the Corinthian Christians not to fall into the same trap. 
and not to shrink back from the temptations that they're facing right now in their particular time period. And so I think what's helpful to uh, walk through is just to look at what the verse actually says, phrase by phrase, and then uh, break it down so that way we can see how this isn't saying God doesn't give you more than you can handle. All right. All All right. right. I like that. So uh, maybe start with the first phrase. Uh, Craig, you want to read that? So no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Okay. No temptation that has overtaken you, uh, that has overtaken you that is not common to man. The general sense of what this is saying is that what the Corinthians are experiencing and walking through is not some abnormal, like, you know, you're the exception. Right. You know, you're the only one dealing with You're the only ones who have ever dealt with something like this. He's basically saying you're going through a human experience right Mm -hmm. now. So that's the first part of this. So the tests. The temptation they're walking through, it's not like, you know, that situation. I mean, oftentimes we use this excuse like, but you don't understand. If you were in my shoes, right? Yeah. you know, no one else understands what I'm going through. Right. Paul is saying to them, listen, what you're going through, it's not like no other humans are. Right. Walking. We don't, our, our own temptations or, you know, yes. struggles, right? They're not something that we're the only ones in the world. So we're not a, we're not a special exception, right? That's right. what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, you're still called by God. God, you're still under his watch and yes. you are called to to live in a certain way. He's going to take care of you. So that kind of leads us to the next part, right? Right. That God is faithful. Yes. And that he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Okay. Let's break that down. So okay. as an outflow of the faithfulness of God, he will not allow you. So that's saying that when it comes to temptation, James says, God is not the one who tempts us. Right. Right. Uh, in the garden story um, in Genesis 3, the serpent, the enemy, the accuser, he is the one who yeah. sows the seeds of temptation. He's the one who attacks us, pours out lies. God is not the author of lies. So God is not the one who does the tempting. However, God is sovereign over temptation. So the picture here is that God will not allow his people to be tempted in such a way that it's essentially a setup for failure. So uh, just a couple of notes on this, okay? Mm-hmm. Um we each, each of us, uh, have different types of things that tempt us. Um, the things I'm tempted with are not the same things that you, listener, or Pastor Craig are tempted with. We are tempted in different ways. Sure. And the assurance and comfort that this verse is communicating to us is that God, in His grace and in His sovereignty, will not allow us to be tempted in a way that there's absolutely no hope for obedience. And the example I could think of giving uh, of this is just kind of a silly example, but we just recently in the Chates home, we got a, a puppy. Mm, congratulations. Thank you. And yeah, we're exhausted. Uh, it's wonderful <laughs> and, and tiring. But uh, one thing that is true of puppies is they're, they don't come trained. Okay. They don't come, you know, from the person trained. That's just not how they work. So our puppy, we've had to try and help teach all these behaviors, what to do, what not to do. It's a long process. Now, I'm not going to, when I leave the house, I'm not going to let the puppy loose in our house to just kind of see if he's capable of behaving well and not chewing things up. A test of obedience for him. Yeah, you know what? Let me see. You know, No, I'm going to step in and say, puppy, you're going to be in your little crate uh, because you will fail the test. I know you all. So I'm stepping in and I'm not going to allow you to experience a test that is essentially signing up for failure. So uh, 
Paul is, in some ways, he's, he's getting at this idea as he's writing to believers in Jesus, not a genu- not the general populace, but believers in Jesus, that God's Spirit provides the way of escape. So that's the next phrase, right? Right, so, yeah, but with temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Yes. So this, so this idea that God is going to provide a way out. He's not yes. going to leave us hopeless, leave us stranded. Yes. Okay. It might be helpful. Can you just like recall like what I'm, what I'm saying? I don't know if what I'm saying is clear. That, that God is out of his faithfulness, right? He is overlooking, overseeing our temptation. And so he will not allow a temptation so strong to come upon us that we're not ready for without a way of escape that we know walking into it, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to fail. I'm going to have to disobey God. God's not going to allow a situation in our lives where we will have to disobey him. That's yes. not, he's not going to create that situation in our lives. Right. We will always have a way to be obedient to him, to honor him and to get out of this temptation. Yes. That's kind of what you're saying. That's yes. Where we're, okay. That's right. So the context is sin, choosing sin or obedience. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the verse is getting at. Now so it gets at that whole idea of like, it's the special exception, right? So if yeah. God really, you know, if you were in my shoes, you'd see there was just no possible way I could honor God in this, yeah. you know, I had all bad options. And what's we're saying, no, we, we, there's always a way God will provide a way yes. for you to honor him. And that's not to say that it doesn't, it's not messy. Like I think yeah. of the story of Daniel, like yeah. Daniel trying to be faithful to the Lord in Babylon, it's messy. It's not clean cut necessarily, but God's promise is that he is able to empower us in those moments yeah. to, to be faithful. And it, it kind of leads me to think too, that we need to be um, in these, in these types of moments in our lives, right? It, it drives us to be kind of led by the spirit, seeking God, seeking yes. his wisdom and saying mm-hmm. like, if it is a messy situation of, okay, God, you, you've promised me yeah. there's a way out. You promised me there's a way to honor you in this. Yeah. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. And you know, that could mm-hmm. be part of his refining process yes. in our lives. No doubt. So are there other examples in the Bible that you would say, Hey, there are some examples where God did give people more than they could handle. Yeah. But that happened. Yes. Uh, so a few um, that we'll just kind of, shoot off real quick. Um, Moses, um, again, just to kind of come back to him since we talked about it in the first Corinthians passage with the wilderness generation, this happens a few times, but the most, I guess, forceful time that Moses is explicit that he is overwhelmed and he cannot handle it anymore. So this is, I mean, if there is an exception, if there's someone we're going to say like, he's the exception, like Moses would probably be up there. Right. There weren't a lot of people who led the people into the wilderness, right? right. He was, he was kind of a one of a kind. Spiritual kind of hero. Guy. Yeah. A great leader, right? Faithful to God, you know, yep. obeyed him well, but yeah, even he was overwhelmed. Yeah. There's a point in Numbers 11 where the people are grumbling and complaining. They failed the test, uh, you know, and Moses, this is what he says. He says to the Lord, he says, why have you dealt ill with your servant and why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me and then a few verses later he says uh, where am I to get meat to give all this people for they weep before me and say give us meat that we may eat I am not able to carry all this people alone the burden is too heavy for me Mm -hmm. and then listen to how how bad it was for him if you will treat me like this God Kill me at once if I found favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. Mm. He is so overwhelmed and realizing I cannot handle this that he's saying, God, take my life. I can't. It's yeah. He's saying, I'm going to fail. Like this is, I can't do this. Yes. I would rather not see my failure rather see Lord, you take my life. God gave most more than he can. Elijah, the story Mm -hmm. of Elijah, first Kings 19 
Elijah is again depressed. He is God's prophet and messenger used by God to do amazing things. And he's sitting under a broom tree, um, just completely drained. And an angel appears to him. And in 1 Kings 19, it says, the angel says to him, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And then we're told Elijah is able to walk in the provision of that meal for 40 days. But the picture there is this, this messenger from the Lord is saying, Elijah, you can't. You're not strong enough. The journey is too much for you. And Elijah was pretty good at traveling, right? That was like his thing, right? He that is around. what he did. Yeah. He yeah. went all over the place yeah. and uh, too much for him. Could go on. There's another example in the New Testament. Jesus uh, is with his disciples. He's teaching in front of a large crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. And uh, Jesus says um, to his disciples who are like, hey, Jesus, we should probably send these people you know, away so they can go get some food because it's getting late. And Jesus tells his disciples, his 12 disciples, to feed this massive crowd of people. He says, hey, you feed them. What is happening in the moment? This is Jesus giving his disciples more than they can handle. Do more than you can. Right. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it comes up a lot in Scripture, and God even intentionally is doing that, giving people more than they can handle because he has a purpose behind it. So what would you say is maybe if you were to kind of take a a knife to this phrase and cut out what the world is saying through this phrase, the message that we hear in our culture versus what the Bible teaches us and what is really true, maybe that, that truth hidden underneath it. Yes. I think with a lot of these phrases, I think the recurring theme is going to be, for verses that aren't verses, the recurring theme is going to be it's like this syncretistic event uh, uh, attempt to blend what the Bible teaches with what our culture normalizes. Sure, sure. So it's it's the attempt to not deny the Bible. I think it's well-meaning, but it's the influence of our culture becoming the frame through which we see God and the frame through which we even sure. interpret the so Bible. So our self-help, that kind of stuff. Comes exactly. So you. the world says, you can do it. You're strong. You're enough, right? Like... People have coffee mugs and shirts that say, I am enough, mm. you know, and, and a well-meaning person, you, at least you'd think a well-meaning person is trying to convince someone who's down, who's maybe discouraged. Hey, you know, greatness is inside of you. Look deep down. And if you just find the grit and power within, you can make your dreams happen. Yeah. Um, and it's this idea that you, you are strong enough. And that's what the world says. But the gospel says you can't. The gospel starts with, there's no one who pleases God, not one, Mm. that we were dead in our sins, that because of our sin against God, we fall short of his glory. So it starts with, we can't, but it continues and says, but Jesus did, but Jesus is able. And Jesus, in his grace, invites you to trust him and invites you to allow him to work in and through you. So again, to come back to the Jesus and the disciples feeding the 5,000, the disciples end up feeding that crowd yeah. of people yeah. that they couldn't feed, but they did so by taking what they had, what little they had, a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and they brought what little they had to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, would you make it enough? Yeah. Would you be enough? <clears throat> this is more than we can do, but Jesus, can you do something uh, that we can't? Yeah. They brought it, brought it back to Jesus. Yes. Right? I mean, that's kind of what we get to in those situations when life has given us more than we can handle. A lot of times that is God calling us back 
to himself. Yeah. That we have been taken on too much or yep. we are taking on the burden on our own. And we're in a position where God's calling and saying, hey, come come back to me. Right. He's yeah. he's the one. He's our provider. Yeah. He's our sustainer. Yeah. So I I really appreciate that. I think that is a really helpful way to look at this uh, verse. That's not a verse, a yeah. phrase that we hear. Uh, a lot in our culture. And I just encourage you, uh, if you are watching this, if you are listening to this, if this was helpful for you, uh, that maybe you share it uh, with someone in your life who uh, maybe has said this to you, or maybe you've told it to them, say, hey, my bad, actually watch this podcast uh, instead. But thank you for joining us this time on the City Rev Life podcast. And we look forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.